Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And greetings to you. This is Brad Zockel, and we are once again talking about the wonderful subject of heaven, and we are learning as we go through Revelation the wonderful truths that God has, not only for eternity, but also for right now. Now, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, and hear the words of an angel that might shock you. Only two words, but let me read through here as we get going and read to you some very, very important things. You see, you have 1,189 chapters in the Bible. We are now at the final chapter, finishing up the 66 books, which make up this bundling, what's called the canon of the Scripture, the the coordination of all of the truths and the promises and the prophecies and the biography of Jesus and the eternal words of the Lord are all bound up here. We're coming to a conclusion that we might learn. It's called the canon, C-A-N-O-N, and all of this bundling up here. Revelation is the revealing of who Jesus really is. That's what Revelation is, the revelation. And as we look at this, we go to Revelation chapter 22. Let me read down to the key verse. John is then talking, and he is writing on the things he is seeing, the new heaven and the new earth, as we've talked about. (coughs) And as we see that, excuse me, then he shows me, he's talking about the angel, he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river. And in in, in the Greek, some Bible scholars say this could be put in the plural. So it could say the trees of life were on each side of the river. And they were bearing, or it was bearing, 12 kinds of fruit producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And there will no longer be any curse throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants much must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. This is the quote from the Lord. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Then verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. Now verse 9. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you with your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And those two final words in verse 9 are absolutely magnificent. Worship God. Worship God. And when I look at that, I see that, you know, I am aware that there are angelic cults. There are cults of people who want to worship angels And in many senses, they feel that those would bring them a pocket God type of mentality that you can pull out an angel 
and get it to direct to do what you want to do, as I understand the doctrine of some of these cults, that you have particular angels over certain situations, and that's all absolutely against the scriptures. We know that, that there are not to be uh, angels used as patron saints or as mediums, anything like that. We know that, but there's something much deeper in here when it says worship God. We're looking at heaven, and what do we see in these final two chapters especially? That everything that we're doing, as a matter of fact, you can go through the scriptures, the worship is continual in the new heavens and the new earth. In Matthew chapter 8 and uh, Isaiah 25, as there's eating and feasting, that's part of worship because it's an enjoyment. The laughter, Luke chapter 6 and verse 21, that will be part of the worship. Matthew chapter 5 and talking about the pure in heart seeing God's face, and that's part of the worship. And as we go through the scripture and we hear the songs of praise in Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 11, they're singing in Revelation chapter 15, Revelation chapter 19, you're hearing all of these worshipful praise songs going on, and you can read the lyrics through them too. And it's saying this, look at the concentration of what's going on. It's a celebration of all races, tongues, tribes, nations, as it says in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. If we're going to have that time of celebration and enjoyment and the worshipful time as I read, the best way I can tell you is it will be along this line. You know, some people will relegate worship to a boring, pedantic repetition of lyrical, you know, uh, language. And let's go to verse number seven one more time. Let's go, let's stand up for another song. And somebody says, this is just so dull. And they have the wrong idea of what worship is. Number one, worship's just not relegated to singing. But when I look at everything that I was telling you in Revelation 22, 4, the servants were serving, and that's a part of worship as well. And what they're doing and showing their talents and going through their creativity. I look at worship in heaven, in my observation, and if I want to put it in terms that we might understand, it's like tang, taking the best of all your Christmases, the best of all your Thanksgivings, the best of all your 4th of July and your picnics and your birthdays and your New Year's celebration and your barbecues and your family reunions, the good ones, wrapping them all up, rolling them into a multiplication of about 10,000, all the enjoyment and the wonder and the excitement you've had of having people together and just enjoying things on the earth, and then add all the top camp, uh, the Christian camp gatherings you've been to, the weekend retreats, the fellowships, the best of the Bible studies, throw those in and then roll that around and then take that and then just absolutely put this into the most wonderful package and you have an idea, a beginning idea of the excitement and the unusualness and the just unmitigated joy that you will have in worship. That'll give you an idea. And yet some people say, when you say that, I mean, that will be a great thing then. And, and I say, okay, so how are you prepping for that now? What is your worship like? And I find a number of people, and there might be even be a number of people that are listening to this podcast. I'm going to say something that might be very hard on you. You're not even attending a church. I, in too many times, will talk with people who say they follow the Lord, but they're not in an assembly. 
they, they say, well, I might, I might throw in a YouTube uh, video watching a preacher here and there, but as far as regular, well, I don't know. And so you're, you're going against what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Why are we doing this? If we're going to be enjoying the ultimate nuclear uh, expression of worship in all we say and do in heaven, surely we can get in that right now on earth by getting into a building. And why would we be confined into a building? For concentration, the distractions, even the physical noise of the world is blocked out. And the intensity of worship in song, in prayer, and instruction of the word, and in fellowship with the saints is all there for us to grow. It's accountability. It's also when I hurt, I know that these people are familiar with me and I can call them for help. Have you done that, Brad? Oh, yeah. How many times? Even last week, I'll call those with I'm familiar, most familiar in my assembly for help, for prayer, for instruction. Maybe I can pass the word on of somebody else that might have an ability to help somebody. We're all together in one coordinated effort as a family under the fathership of God and learning together too. You might be in a church that is over a thousand. You might be in a church that's under a hundred. It doesn't matter. You're there, and if it's a Bible-believing church and you're learning how to worship, if you're saying, well, I go to my church and I don't know how to worship, this is the time you go to your church leadership. But the first thing is you have to be in a church and you have to be in your heart and soul and mind openly desiring to learn. Listen to what it says in Psalm 26 and verse 8. Here's, here's David himself. He says, I love this phrase. Listen, Lord, and it's all in capital in your English translation, which means Jehovah, Yahweh. Yahweh, I have loved the habitation of your house. Yahweh, I have loved the habitation of your house. He's saying this, I love being in your house, inhabiting your house, your worship place. And I love the fact that you're also there. Where has it gone when we say that we really don't care to be? What if I, what if I asked you to come over? You say, dear friend, you know, and I want to come over. And I know your schedule's open. I said, yeah, from here till the end of the year, I want you to come over. I will drop everything. I'm working at home and you can come over and uh, I'll have the dinner made for you. We'll lay everything out, have a good time. And you're like, well, I don't really don't care. I mean, you know, no offense to you, but I just don't like your house. I don't want to come over and be with you. Don't you think that there will be a question in my mind about our friendship? I mean, I've had, you know, we, we've all cleaned the place up. We've laid out the best dinner for you. We're at standby. We have things prepared in the refrigerator. We can prepare it at a moment's notice or the big game's coming up and we've got the TV set already here and you can have the best recliner in the house and such and you're well, I just don't really want to be with you. I mean, we can meet out here, but I just don't want to go to your house. Don't you think that there would be a question in my mind of our friendship? And there are people saying, well, I love the Lord. I just don't want to go to a place and, and have a time of worship with him. Or when I'm there, I've got other things to do. And somebody's there. I mean, say, say you came to my house and you're continually on your phone texting other people. You've heard these stories about people on dates, you know, young people on dates, and the other person is on their phone continually. And how did the date end up? It was a disaster. Well, the same thing here. And your mind is not on the wonderful worship of the Lord. Here's what happens in, in the book of Revelation in 22. And John says, I'm seeing all these things, and I fall down to worship. And the angel says, oh, no, 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 no. 
worship God. We're not to be distracted with other things that seem beautiful and transcendent, such as an angel. God is the focus of our worship. But it also carries over. If we're looking at eternity, do you understand? One of the great truths of eternity in heaven is in the worshipful atmosphere we'll be in. And somebody says, oh, I can't wait for that. Well, how come you're not doing it now? I speak very, very strongly because there are way too many Christians that are just not going to a church. You are not getting in an assembly. This is a poor, poor uh, a walk, and they, it is a poor testimony of those around you saying, okay, you don't want to be obedient to your belief to have leadership instruct you that you might learn more, or it's also, okay, somebody comes along and has a question. Well, I don't know. Why well, haven't you been instructed in the Word? Well, no, not really. Okay, we got a problem here. But it's also the Lord says, do you love me? Well, of course, Lord, I love you. You don't want to come to my home? You don't want to come to the representative assembly in your area to learn about me? I think there's something there. And the Lord says, I think you worship, but you're just not worshiping me. You're worshiping your phone, your comfort, your house, your materials. I think maybe we need to redirect our mind and our heart in our worship. So much more I can say, but I'm going to get going. I just want you to think in eternity where we will be in a worshipful atmosphere. Are we worshiping right now? Make it a point to be in a place of worship and to have a time of wonderful, gentle, yet expressively strong worship every day and in your assembly. Thank you so much. This is Brad, and I am going to get uh, ready for us to learn some more as we go through Revelation 22. Bear these things in mind, and we will talk soon. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.